Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to 1 Peter chapter 1, the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. We continue our study through the New Testament. And, you know, remember our study from last week, the introduction to 1 Peter. You know, understand that, you know, the, it's, it's written, 1 Peter is written around 64 A.D., and Peter, he's about 37 years old in Christ. So to give you an example, if he was age 20 when initially called, he would be 57 years old. But he's 37 years old in Christ. And, you know, Peter, he's definitely not a short-term believer. He's running his race beautifully, valiantly. He's running his race. Now, something else is also happening in 64 AD. And if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our studies through the pastoral epistles because Paul, he's in prison and he's writing his uh, letters to the pastors, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, the home fellowship. And he's writing his letters to the next generation of leadership. Understand that in 64 AD, the cost of being a Christian is very high, life-threatening even. Very, very high. Where the Romans, if you were walking in the streets, the Romans, they would put a sword to your throat. Who is Lord? And you say, Jesus is Lord, you die. Or you say, Caesar is Lord, you get to live. And that's what would happen. The thumb of Rome was getting very, very heavy across the land. Very, you know, the build up to 70 AD, where the destruction of the temple, you know, the you kind of see around like 58 AD, you start to see like, okay, things are getting, the political climate is getting very heavy. And, you know, each year, 57, 58, 59, and here we are in 64 AD. And the thumb of Rome is getting heavier and heavier and heavier. But what would happen? They would arrest Christians. Are you a Christian? Do you have your home fellowship? And you say yes, they arrest you. Now, or they beat you or they kill you. Sometimes it's a combo. Sometimes they beat you and then they throw you in prison. And when they throw you in prison, you know, it's not like today where, you know, you're in prison, you get a college education today and do all this stuff. You get cable, you get, you know, all these meals. No, back in the day, they throw you in prison and, you know, you wait a little bit, you know, they, they for, to prepare for the games. And what would happen? They would put you in arena. They would put the Christians, they would, and they would have them all in prison and the ones that they caught and then the ones that, you know, they didn't kill on the spot. And so they would have them await the games. And in the, in the arena for public entertainment, they would let the Christians loose. And they would also let loose bears, lions, other people to come and kill them. And for entertainment, people would watch Christians being beaten, being killed, being eaten alive, arms being ripped off, legs being ripped off, torn off by lions and bears. You know, a couple lions ripping a Christian apart. Women would be raped. Children would be raped. And that was entertainment. That's what they did to our early brothers, to our early sisters. That's what they did to our family. Heirs of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what they did to our family. And the cost of being a Christian is very high. 
There are also some accounts of Christians taking the fall for evangelists and teachers, and it's for the advancement of the kingdom. It's not so the evangelists and teachers can go on vacation and have a good time. No, it's for the advancement of the kingdom. Where, you know, the, the, a home fellowship, you know, they were they, the Roman soldiers were about to come in and kick the door in. And, you know, everybody flees except what happens, you know, people would flee and people would get caught. Christians, believers, our early brothers, our early sisters, they would get caught, either beaten, killed or arrested. Some might deny Christ and say Caesar is Lord. But then the evangelist, the teacher... They would be, you know, escape, they, a way of escape. They would let them out the back door or the back window, lower them down from the window. And it's not so that they could be safe so that they can go on vacation. No, it's so that the, uh, the, the teacher, so that the evangelist can go and plant seed in other areas for the advancement of the kingdom of God. That's what happened. It's for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Yeah, a church body 100% sold out for Jesus Christ. 100% they've counted the cost. And that's the early church. That's the church that we see in the book of Acts. It's for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Because the Christians knew that holy flame needs to be ignited by the evangelist. And it needs to be fanned into flame and fanned alive. By the teacher. It's not so that they can, it's not that they would, the teacher and the evangelist were exalted and, you know, oh, they got to be saved so they can, you know, go to Bora Bora. No. It's for the advancement of the kingdom of God. The cost of believing in Jesus Christ was very high. Where at the time, it could cost your life. And then also understand that in 64 AD, believers were also not enduring. Remember when Paul, when he wrote his letters to, to the pastors, to Timothy and Titus and Philemon, where he says, you know, all the saints in Asia left him. Demas left him. What was happening is that believers were being seduced by the cares, riches, and matters of life. That's what was happening. But not so with the remnant. The remnant was being refined as through fire. A very, very strong message for the last day saints. Very, very strong message for the last day saints. And let's begin our study here. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, this is something that we looked at last week in the discipleship of Peter. Remember, before the apostleship of Peter, remember the, the order, disciple and then apostle, or student and then messenger. Very important to understand. Even for you and me, the Lord does the work inside of us before he does the work through us. You see? It's not the other way around. A lot of times people want to be a messenger before student, but it doesn't work that way. Student first. Student first. Remember Martha? You know, doing this, doing that, and she gets mad a little bit at Jesus. And Jesus, tell, tell her to help me. Tell Mary to help me. And he turns the tables around and says, no, 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 Martha, you need to be like Mary. A student. Listen. 
gain this understanding. And then comes the work. You see? Student first. And so, the whole time, the whole time, we can still go fishing. The whole time, we can still go fishing. You know, preschoolers can go fishing. Preschoolers can go fishing. I mean, according to the flesh, preschoolers can go fishing. You have like, you know, little kid, little kid, little boy, little girl. Preschoolers can go fishing, but the fishing is for minnows. You see, if a preschooler goes fishing for tuna, that's very dangerous, even deadly for the preschooler. But in the course of time, the little child, a fisher of men, a fisher of women, a fisher of boys, a fisher of girls, fishing for minnows as little ones. And then in the course of time, fishing for trout. In the course of time, fishing for bass, fishing for sturgeon. You see? And then in the course of time, fishing for tuna. And in the course of time, fishing for whales. You see? The whole time, a believer, a, a brand new believer can still go fishing, but the fishing has to be for minnows. You see? And Peter, 37 years walking with Christ, and we've seen his ups and downs, things that we even, in our introduction, we even mentioned, we even looked at. And in the case of Peter, even the denial of our Lord and Savior. And this is where the beauty and the safety net of humility shines brightly. And this is something that Judas did not have. Judas did not have humility. Don't forget, it was both Peter and Judas that denied the Lord. And Judas did not have the safety net of humility. He was prideful. Peter, with humility, received grace and restoration. He received grace and restoration. And in the course of time, Peter became Deadly. That's something we studied last week when he's, remember in Acts chapter 2? Peter became deadly. And here we are some 30 some years later, and he's still deadly. You see? And so here in verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion. Now, dispersion here is diaspora. Diaspora. And what that is, is, you know, it means to be dispersed or to be scattered. Now, you have to keep in mind, believers are hated. In 64 AD, the believers, Christians, our early family, our early brothers and sisters in Christ, heirs of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ, our family, they're hated by the religious establishment. They're hated by the Jews. They're hated by the Romans. We're hated. And in 64 AD, things were hot, very, very hot. And as a result, believers were fleeing to, they were fleeing to safety or what they thought to be safety. It's completely understandable. I get it. I get it. 
And just so you know, presently I teach from the United States of America. And there are areas in the United States where people are fleeing from because of safety concerns. Job concerns, housing concerns, it's completely understandable. I get it. And it's also quite common in the annals of history, church history included. You have this diaspora in the early church where things were getting hot. Things were getting in, into areas where things were no longer safe and Christians were fleeing. I get it. And in this state of chaos, it's very easy for believers to be sidetracked. Don't forget when you look at the timelines and the events that happened during the timelines, Paul is in prison. He's mobilizing the pastors, the next generation of leadership. And if you've been walking with us for a while, we understand formula. He's not just mobilizing just anybody. No, Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, home fellowship. When Paul says that all the saints in Asia have left him, this isn't like, you know, 2% of the saints of Asia that have left him. This isn't like 5 or 30% of the saints. No, 100% of the saints in Asia left Paul. And you see it, that seduction. Alexander Himenaeus, remember our study through the pastoral epistles? Now, if you're listening for the first time and you're like, what is this guy talking about? Go back and listen to those studies, to the pastoral epistles. Everything is housed for you. Thewayunderground.com. Go there. You can listen to those studies. But there's other things that are happening. When, when Peter is writing this letter, 64 AD, there are things that are happening. And when we have this broad scope of the, the, the events from a geopolitical standpoint, and understand that the cost of being a Christian is very, very dangerous. It's very high, life-threatening. But at the same time, there's safety concerns. And in this diaspora, as people were fleeing, people were walking away from Christ. People were falling away from Christ. Remember, like Demas, he was seduced. Bright lights, big city, land of opportunity, and he left Christ. And then we juxtapose that with our study in the book of James, how friendliness with the world is enmity with God. And so when we look at these timelines and we understand that it's easy for believers to be sidetracked and lose focus on things eternal. And this is something that Peter himself was rebuked on about 30 years, 31 years prior. When Peter tried to prevent Jesus from suffering. Remember, we studied this last week in our introduction to 1 Peter and Peter tried to prevent Jesus from suffering. And our Lord himself says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get thee hence behind me, Satan. Why? Because Peter was mindful of the things of men and not on the things of God. You see? And now, 37 years later, when Peter is deadly, now he was deadly shortly thereafter, you know, with the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Well, 
shortly thereafter, he was he, he, he was deadly, but at the same time, remember his humility and his restoration and his repentance, something that Judas did not have. He did not have humility. He had pride. And with pride, no repentance. Peter, remember, Peter and Judas both denied the Lord. And Peter repented. Godly sorrow, the things that Paul writes about. Godly sorrow. And what it produces. Godly sorrow is a good thing. It is a beautiful thing. Painful, yes. But the aftermath in what it produces. Remember James? I mean, you tie everything in with our study in the book of James. When James says, you know, you know, Christians, we always think, oh, you know, it's so good to be full of laughter and to be full of joy. That's a beautiful thing. And yes, it's a beautiful thing. But where there is leaven, where there is carnality, where is the, the works of the flesh? When Brother James says, no, not, now's not a time for joy. Now's not a time for laughter. Why? Because of you. Because of your present state. And Brother James says, no, lament. Weep and mourn. Because you need to repent. You need to be right with the Lord. Let's get you cleaned up. And the aftermath of that, you know what, godly sorrow. There is worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow doesn't lead to repentance. Worldly sorrow is like what Judas had with, mixed with his pride. Not a good mixture. And don't forget, he committed suicide. I mean, if you're suicidal, like I once was in my multiple failed suicide attempts, that's worldly sorrow mixed with pride. It's not good. That's what Judas had. But godly sorrow, that's beautiful. Painful, yes, but don't forget, it produces something. And don't have pride with that. Humility. Love humility because it's a safety net. Just like it was for Peter and his restoration. You see? And Peter himself, he experienced this, you know, when he's encouraged, you know, here in 1 Peter chapter 1, when he went 37 years later, you know, and he'd been walking with Christ for 37 years. And, you know, he's not wanting other believers to be focused on the things of men as he was when he was rebuked by the Lord. Peter is deadly. He's able to teach deeply on holy matters. And it's very interesting in his letters. Inspired of the Spirit, there's never a call to arms. There's never a call to resist. There's never a call to fight according to the flesh and according to Adam. But there absolutely is a call to fight the good fight according to faith, according to the Spirit, according to Christ. Peter, he's fully qualified to teach on such matters. He's deadly. And so Christians were fleeing. Remember, the cost of being a Christian is very heavy, life-threatening. On top of that, there's the seduction that Demas was seduced into. The saints in Asia left Paul. More people are leaving Paul. 
It's a mo- it's a time of tribulation. 64 AD. The thumb of Rome, heavy government. Heavy heavy government. It's a time of tribulation. And this beautiful vessel of the Lord, inspired of the Spirit, writes a letter. And he says here in verse 1, To the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, remember, election is very, very biblical. Election. Very biblical. And Peter later says, make your call and election sure. These are things that we're going to study in our, in our studies through Peter's letters. But in 64 AD, when the falling away has happened and is happening, where meanwhile, Paul is mobilizing the second wave of pastors in Timothy and Titus and also Philemon Home Fellowship. All the saints in Asia have left them where Damas has also left Paul and the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit is guiding vessel Peter to encourage the saints. Write a letter, Peter. Encourage the saints, Peter. And in obedience to the Lord, Peter does exactly that. And at this point in time, it's getting more clear who the remnant is. And this is something that will happen again in the last days as the remnant is refined. You see? Election of the saints will become more clear. Sadly, the apostate will also become more clear. And if you look closely, you can already see this today. You see, God's foreknowledge and predestination are entirely biblical. But obedience is required. Required obedience. Go and listen to these studies. Everything is housed for you. Learn about biblical predestination. Everything is housed for you. Everything is resourced for you. Free of charge. Freely I have received. Freely I give. It's for you to understand the word of God. Biblical predestination. And so we see here in verse 2, this letter. Elect according to the foreknowledge and uh, uh, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience. Now, this is better translated in the Greek as into obedience, or you know, it's it translates as reaching a point or entering and reaching a point. Now, this is no small thing. This is no small thing. We're talking about election, that's a big deal. Huge deal. And yes, according to the foreknowledge. And yes, according to obedience as well. But also with the purification and sanctification of the Holy Spirit, who is our helper. But there's more. Let's look at, you know, still in verse 2. For obedience and Sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. These are no small things. Sprinkling of blood? Sprinkling of blood? 
You go and you listen to our studies through Leviticus and Hebrews and Galatians and you'll see this is a big deal. And the reason why we say Leviticus is because, you know, life is in the blood. And these are things that the Lord taught through the law. You see, I'm not advocating the law in saying that. But the reason why we point to Leviticus and also Hebrews and Galatians is so that you don't get trapped in the law. I mean, if you've been walking with us for a while, you know. But if you're a new listener, you need to know. And look at Peter here. Look at Peter here. 37 years later. He's not just a fisher of men. He's that and more. He's also feeding and tending the flock of God faithfully as charged by Jesus. Old man Peter. Beautiful are his feet that bring glad tidings. And he says in verse 2, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. And here in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy. Now remember, grace, think of grace as an acronym, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And grace is having what we don't deserve. Mercy is not having what we do deserve. I mean, when the law's penalty is death, and that knowing that in Christ, that penalty is removed from us, you know what that is? That's mercy. And that's what happens when a person is born again. Born into Adam in the ways of the flesh. Everybody born into Adam. You come out of your mother's womb, you're born into Adam in the ways of the flesh. But then there's something else called being born again. Nicodemus asked Jesus, how could a person go back in the womb? It's impossible. But Jesus wasn't speaking about according to the flesh. Born again into Christ in the ways of the Spirit. You see? And in verse 3, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope. These words, living hope, two words, living hope. Living hope. Two words. Living hope. They are no small thing, but sometimes the depths of these two little words, living hope, sometimes the depths are better understood with tribulation. Remember, 64 AD. There is a diaspora here, 64 AD, believers have fled and are fleeing, and Christians have been slaughtered, raped, beaten, arrested, eaten by animals, Christians. It has happened, and it's continuing to happen, and it will continue to happen, 64 AD. And I don't want to get graphic. There is Emperor Nero. Now, Nero, he's not emperor at this particular time. He's going to be emperor. But do you know what Nero used to do? You know how it's, when it's nighttime, it's dark outside. 
And so, like, you know, if you want to go outside and it's dark, you know, you have some lighting, you know, for night ambience. And, you know, people like, you know, light a torch or, you know, sometimes you have, you know, a, a light switch or, you know, something happens just for ambient lighting at the night, nighttime. Well, with Nero, he used to do that too. Except his ambient lighting for the evening, it was Christians. Christians set on fire. Stuck on a stake. Not a cross. Not a cross. Stuck through like shish kebab. Our early brothers, our early sisters. On a stake. Lifted high into the air. And set on fire. And that was his outdoor ambient lighting. In his gardens. Night lighting so he can... Walk through the gardens and have some nice lighting. And it was our brothers, our sisters, set on fire. And not on a cross, not hanging on a cross. No, they were like skewered. You see? Our brothers, our sisters, men, women, children. It was to mock the words of our Lord when he says, let your light shine. And Nero was mocking the words of our Lord. Now the two words, living hope, in plentiful times, in times of safety, yes, these are good words, living hope. But in perilous times, these two words, they're much different, but only to the remnant, living hope, living hope. Don't forget Peter himself also had a mind back in the day that was on the things of men and focused on the things of men and he was rebuked. And he learned, he was taught, and he learned by experience. And now in having that experience and being deadly, he's able to teach. In these moments of peril, in the diaspora, as people were fleeing, Christians, Brothers, sisters in Christ, our early family, they were fleeing to safety or what they presumed and thought to be safety. And Peter was writing on matters that are not of the flesh. And this, these two words, living hope. In times of plenty, they're good words, they're beautiful words. But in times of peril, these words are beautiful words times infinity. And that's what Peter's writing about. The 64 AD generation. Very strong message for the last day's generation. 
In verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Remember our study in Deuteronomy and Joshua? Now, understand, inheritance has effectuators. Inheritance has effectuators. These are things that we studied in Deuteronomy and Joshua. And in verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Remember the crown with your name on it? I mean, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, there is a crown in heaven with your name on it. There is a crown with your name on it. If you're not a believer in Jesus, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? If you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, what's stopping you? It's so simple. It's so simple. I'll give you the answer. Cut it out. Stop being unbelieving, but be believing. And if that's you, and you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ, commit your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now, point blank. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ, and you do exactly that. Be unbelieving no more. And you commit your life to Christ right here, right now. And then you come back, you listen, and we grow, we mature, we become deadly together. Onward to paradise. But to all who believe, there is an inheritance waiting for you. It's not here. It's not here. It's in heaven. And Peter, in verse 4, when he says, reserved in heaven for you, in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith. Through faith. Very beautiful promises. Very beautiful promises. But remember, our studies in Hebrews and James... Remember about faith? Package deal. Remember, faith is a package deal. It's not the gift of faith and the gift of works. No, package deal. Faith has an accompaniment. And if you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to our studies, Hebrews and James. Go back and listen, and you'll understand more about the package deal. And we see in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, there is a revealing of Jesus Christ that happens at the time of the end, and it is glorious. Apocalypsis in the Greek. But there is another revealing that will occur, and that is the revealing or apocalypto. Of believers. And that's what Peter writes about. In verse 5, kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now, I mean, remember, 64 AD. If you and me were in 64 AD, the now would be troublesome. 
to have the living hope. And resting in the promises of God. Knowing that we have an inheritance. That there is reserved in heaven for you and me. Where our crowns are. That has our name on it. Though now, in 64 AD, yes, it's troublesome times. Perilous times. Times of tribulation. Times of sorrow. But in this, in verse 6, you greatly rejoice, Brother Peter says, though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. I mean, you read this and it's somewhat of a shocker because it's like, wait a second, Peter, Peter, do you not see the danger? A little while, if need be, Peter, do you not see? He absolutely sees. He absolutely sees. He just sees differently. He sees different from the average bear. You know why? Because he's not the average bear. He has a different set of eyes. He's not focused on the things of men. He's focused on the things of the Lord. And we see this in verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Now, let us not forget, Peter, he's guiding and shepherding the flock of God. He's tending to the flock of God in holy things of God. But these things... He experienced himself. He experienced himself. I mean, when you look at the similarities of both Peter and Judas, remember, they both denied the Lord. But you talk about faith being rocked to the core. Peter in denying the Lord. Where he says, I don't know him. People are saying, hey, we saw you with Jesus. I mean, don't forget, Jesus is being beaten. He's being scourged. He's being mocked. And people looking at Peter, hey, we saw you with him. And Peter's saying, I don't know him. And he was adamant, I don't know him. And then they asked him again, a second time. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it was you. Listen, I'm telling you, I don't know him. Think about what you could hear. Think about the sounds that you could hear. The cheering of the crowd. Crucify him, crucify the cheering of the crowd. Think about the whips you could hear. And then somebody looking at Peter, you know what? I could have sworn, I'm pretty sure that was you, wasn't it? I don't know him. And then the third time, somebody says, you know what? I swear it's you. I know it was you. Now the third time, Peter, it was with curses and expletives. That's what the Bible says. 
His third denial was with curse words. I'm telling you, I blankety blank, blank, blank. I don't know him. And if that wasn't bad enough, those very words leaving his tongue. At that moment, the rooster crowed. Just as Jesus said would happen. And if that wasn't bad enough, Peter looks up and he sees our beaten Lord. Beaten, son of the Most High God. And the two, Jesus and Peter, they make eye contact. The eyes of our Lord, son of God. He looks into the eyes of Peter. You talk about faith being rocked. Peter leaves and he weeps bitterly. How could he do anything but weep bitterly? You see, Judas, he also had remorse. But with the mixture of pride... It led him to suicide. Peter, with the mixture of humility, restoration. Faith being rocked to the core. And by experience, Peter is teaching this to saints of the diaspora. Look at verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus is a singular event. Peter does not tell these saints, he does not tell believers, well, seven years before the revealing of Jesus. No, he says at the revealing of Jesus, a singular event. Just so you know, we do not teach a pre-tribulation rapture. You know why? It's not in the Bible. You will not find the pre-tribulation rapture in the Bible. And I know that's a huge shock to a lot of believers. A lot, uh, the majority of Christians, it's a shock. But again, Listen to our studies on the rapture, thewayunderground.com. Go and check it out. And listen to those studies on the rapture. And you'll see. And you'll understand why we do not teach a pre-tribulation rapture. You won't find it in the Bible. Peter here points to the singular event. The revelation of Jesus. In verse 4, don't forget, you know, that th through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then here in verse 7, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, speaking about the genuineness of faith. And then in verse 5, ready to be revealed at the last time. You see? 
He doesn't say, well, you know what? Seven years before the revealing of Jesus. No. A singular event. The revelation of Jesus Christ. In verse 8, whom having not seen, you love. I've never laid eyes upon Jesus. Neither have you. But we're so in love with him. You see? It's the same for the saints that Peter's writing to. Whom having not seen, you love. Peter's a little different because he's seen the Lord. Old man Peter running the race. Whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. You see, to have this mindset, this heart set that's focused on things eternal. I meant in the here and now, I meant, you know, in, in, in like in verse six, in this you greatly rejoice, though now. And in verse eight, though now you don't see him. I mean, if you and me were to get in a time machine to 64 AD in times of tribulation, times of trial, where the cost of being a Christian was very high. Where Christians were being hunted. We could lean on the promises of God and greatly rejoice. As Brother Peter says, faith being rocked, yes, but it's being tested by fire. You see, we're forward looking. We look forward to a future event. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're kept in verse 5 by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now we say, you know, if you and me were to go back in the time machine in 64 AD, we could absolutely lean on the promises of God during times of tribulation. But in these last days, another time, another time of tribulation, another time of sorrows. Another time of great peril. Another time where there is a falling away. And we can still lean on the Lord and His promises. You see? In verse 8, whom having not seen, you love. And though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, today we need faith. And don't forget, faith is a package deal. Go back and listen to our study in Hebrews and James, and you'll understand more about the package deal. Today we need faith. But there is coming a time when faith will be no more, it won't be needed because we'll see Jesus. 
receiving the end of your faith, he says in verse 9, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what matter of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them. Remember our study in the Old Testament? Go back and listen to our studies in Joshua. Remember the inner chamber of faith? Remember that inner chamber of faith, which was very rare. Remember our study through the book of Hebrews? About them, that prior generation of the old covenant, not being mixed with faith. But then you get to Hebrews 11, you say, wait a second, they did have faith. Some of them had faith, yes, but not all of them. And so we look at that inner chamber of faith that few entered. And in that inner chamber of faith where Christ could be seen, which gave the better hope to our old covenant family. Also heirs of Abraham, the prophets, the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Amos, Zephaniah, Zechariah. They inquired and searched, investigated. Did the priest do that? Did the priesthood do that? Did the Levitical priesthood do that? Did the Kohanim do that? Because when Jesus arrived on the scene in his earthly ministry, they were blind. When he arrived on the scene as a baby, the priesthood, they were blind. The priests, they had the scrolls. They had the law. But did they hear the law? You see, the prophets, the spirit of Christ was in them. Remember Amos? Amos says, hey, I'm no prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. And the Lord says, surprise, Amos. You're my guy. You're a prophet. And the spirit of Christ who was in them in verse 11 was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them, speaking of the prophets, to them, in verse 12, speaking of the prophets, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you. Though, through those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now, something to notice here. You see how holy things flow? You see how they flow? Or in verse 12, Peter, he writes of the same things that Paul says, referring to the field and workers. Remember, we make the distinction between the two, field and worker. And this requires godly stewardship in obedience to Jesus because remember Ephesians 4, a letter from Vessel Paul. Ephesians 4, verse 11, where Paul writes, inspired of the Spirit, and he himself gave some to be apostles, 
some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. These are the workers. These are the workers. Remember, we make the distinction. If you're wondering, like, what do you mean distinction between field and worker? Go back and listen to our studies from 1 Corinthians and listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 all the way to the end of the book of James and you'll understand a whole lot more and you'll be well on your way to maturing in Christ. And speaking of the workers, he himself in Ephesians 4 verse 11 gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. In verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the field. Remember, we make the distinction field and worker. In verse 13, still in Ephesians 4, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. You know what that means? No more milk. No more milk. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who was who is the head Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You see, Peter writes about the same things, or Paul writes about the same things that Peter writes about, and Peter writes about the same things that Paul writes about, who together write about the same things that John writes about, that James writes about, that Isaiah writes about, that Amos writes about. You know why? Same spirit. Same spirit. And going back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. And here in verse 12, you know, to them, speaking of the prophets. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven the things which angels desire to look into and in the greek this translates as the things that angels lean over and peer into consider if you will the domino effect say you stand up two dominoes uh, uh, ten dominoes you, you stand you stand up ten dominoes in a line and you push one. You push one over and, you know, one by one by one, they all tumble down from the force of the prior one. But the first one is what you put in motion. And that's just 10 dominoes. But sometimes if you, you know, like the, the Guinness book, of like the world records, you know, the book of world records, you know, the longest domino. Sometimes you see the super duper long dominoes where, you know, people have to move around to go into a different room and watch all the dominoes fall in succession according to their specific line. In similar manner, look what the Lord put in motion. Look what the Lord put in motion with his spirit. 
I mean, in the days of old, unto the prophets. Remember, unto the prophets. Remember in in in, in verse uh, uh, 10 of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. Inquired and searched. They investigated is how it translates in the Greek. And in verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them. And in verse 12, the, still with the prophets, to them it was revealed, but not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now, it's been reported to you. It's been reported to you. And it's through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. You see, the same spirit that was in the prophets is the same spirit by which the gospel was preached to this generation in 64 AD. It's the same spirit to this generation in 2022. The same spirit today. The things which angels desire to look into. And you consider the domino effect. You know, we gave the example of just 10 and, you know, that can be done on a tabletop. But what about when you have 10 trillion dominoes? That can't be on a tabletop. You're going to have to follow that line in succession for, you know, it's going to be like all over the place. It's not going to be on a tabletop. It's not going to be in a room. It's not going to be in a house. You're going to have to go outside and watch all the dominoes fall. And when you consider the domino effect with what the Lord has put in motion by his spirit. And in the days of the prophets, the same spirit that inspired them, the same spirit that inspired Peter to write this letter, the same spirit that's touching your heart. The same spirit. Look at all the things that were put in motion. And it's still going today. With the prophets and those who heard them in their day, the apostles and the saints who heard them in their day, and still today, even with you, my beloved brother, my beloved sister. The same spirit put in motion many moons ago. Understand with proper stewardship of qualified overseers. And just like in, in the case of dominoes, if you have like the Guinness Book of World Records and people lean over to watch dominoes move along in their succession, in similar manner, the angels, they also lean over and watch the moving of God. Something that was put in motion many, many moons ago. And the angels look into. You see? Now, also understand that trouble does happen in this holy moving. There is an enemy that wants to prevent this movement. And workers have a responsibility. When the wolf comes, the wolf dies. Metaphysically speaking. Supernaturally speaking. 
And sometimes, you know, the, the workers have responsibility, but sometimes, and you see this in the book of Acts, even the angels are set themselves to provide aid. You know, the things that they desire to look into, sometimes the Lord says, hey, go and help out. And if you're in a fellowship where the formula is right, you remember we studied, you know, we, we see this in the book of Acts. Remember our study in the book of Hebrews in chapter one and the ministering of angels? If you're in a fellowship where the formula is right, across the board, the formula is right. I don't care about size. I meant... I've been in a fellowship that had 14,000. And I've been in a fellowship that was two. And you'd be shocked. If I were to tell you where Love Feast was, you'd be shocked. I don't care about size. But if you're in a fellowship where the formula is right, size irrelevant, do not leave. We are living in a moment of time where the converging of the prophets, it's happening. A converging of the things that they wrote of, it's happening. And the beginning of the end draws very near. And this is something Brother Peter writes about. The things that the Lord put in motion many, many moons ago by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven in verse 12, the things which angels desire to look into. And always consider the domino effect. That succession. You take 10 trillion dominoes. You're not going to be able to observe that in a, on a table. You're not going to be able to observe that in a room. You're not going to be able to observe that in a house. In a neighborhood, it's going to take time. And these are things that the angels observe. And so we look at verse 13. Therefore, now understand, since we know these things, what are we to do? What is the saint to do? What is the remnants to do, especially considering the times of 64 AD, times of tribulation? Therefore, in verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind. You see, in the mind. That's what Peter is telling the saints to do. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now, today, as far as attire goes today, we have shorts, we have pants. But back in the day, everybody wore robes. It, it, it was robes. That was, that was the fashion back in the day. And robes presented certain physical restrictions. I meant today with female athletes. You don't see female athletes competing in dresses. You don't see that. And, you know, back in the day, everybody wore robes. And with girding of loins, you know, everybody wore robes. And girding of loins, what that was, is a person would reach down, you know, male or female. A person would reach down and, and grab the hem of the backside of the robe. 
and they would bring it between their legs and they would lift it up to the front and tuck it in their belt on the front. And so it'd be like makeshift shorts where you could run, you could go through dirt, you could go through mud, you could go through a creek and nothing would get caught, nothing would get dirty, mobility would be easier. And that's the girding of the loins. It's a physical way to make ready. And Peter is saying for saints to do exactly this, but in the mind, gird your loins. Gird up the loins of your mind, he says in verse 13. Be sober, he says in verse 13, which translates as the Greek as abstain from wine and be sober. Abstinence from wine and be so sober, live in sobriety. It's very interesting that it just so happens we study this on Wednesday too. Remember the Nazarite? No alcohol. Consecration unto the Lord. You have Christians today, Christians, believers today say, well, Paul told Timothy to drink. Paul said it was okay. He told Timothy to, to drink, so it's okay. Go back and listen to our studies through the letters to Timothy. You'll understand more. Go back and listen. Everything's housed. Everything's resourced for you. And Brother Peter is saying, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, a singular event. He doesn't say rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you seven years before the revealing of Jesus Christ. No. A singular event. Again, listen to our studies on the rapture. Everything's housed. Everything's resourced. It's there for you. And he says in verse 14, as obedient children. Now, remember our study through James? Faith is a package deal. And there are blessings of obedience and blessings for obedience. Now, balls in your court. Balls in your court. You have a choice to make. Balls in my court. I have a choice to make. Every single one of us has a choice to make. And Brother Peter says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts. You know what that is? When he says not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, you know what that is? That's what happens when the old man is not reckoned dead. That's what happens when the old woman is not reckoned to be dead. That's what happens when the old boy isn't reckoned to be dead. That's what happens when the old girl isn't reckoned to be dead. And I say that to my, you know, all my brothers and sisters, but also for my younger brothers and sisters. You might be like 13 years old, 14 years old. And you figure, well, I haven't lived yet. I haven't had a long life yet, so, you know, I'm, I'm okay. No, 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 no. The old girl reckoned dead. The old boy reckoned dead. You are new in Christ. And when Brother Peter is saying, as obedient children here in verse 14, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts. And that's what happens when the old nature isn't reckoned to be dead. You know what's better? A person who is not conforming themselves, but a person who is 
transformed by God. Better it is to be transformed by the Lord. You see? And when that doesn't happen, when a person conforms themselves to the former lust, Brother Peter explains exactly what that is. Look at verse 14 when he says, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. Now, ignorance, this ignorance is through lack of intelligence. Lack of intelligence, lack of understanding, or lack of information. That's how this word ignorance translates in the Greek. It's ignorance through lack of intelligence, lack of understanding, or lack of information. And this ignorance is a result of both a person and the teacher. This is why leadership matters. Among other reasons, but this is a biggie. This is why formula matters. Among other reasons, but this is a biggie. This is why we need to understand formula. Because the Bible says to submit to a pastor. Submit to a pastor. It is a good thing to submit to a pastor. But it is a bad thing to submit to the wrong pastor. You see? And when you understand formula, you know which pastor is qualified. And you know which pastor is disqualified. And which pastor really is a servant of Satan. You see? Remember our studies in Hebrews and James? There is a formula for maturing even. Remember, if the Lord permits, Hebrews 5 and 6, if the Lord permits. Listen, how many Christians, how many Christians do you know who are not dead? How many Christians do you know who have not reckoned the old man to be dead? How many Christians do you know who have not reckoned the old woman to be dead? The number is astoundingly vast. Because inside the church, we see the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the Ouija boards, the crystals, the chakras. We see the yoga. We see it all inside the church. Inside the church. Now, I understand babies being babies, but what's bad is when babies stay babies. That's not good. That's not good. Oh, you're so mean. You're so mean. We're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to be loving and gracious. People have addictions. Are we supposed to kick them to the curb? You're so mean. You're so mean. Listen. Listen, the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you really think that God can't heal addiction? I mean, when the Bible says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, the creator of all things, the Son. The moon, the oceans, the animals, the one hearts beat because of him. In all things, in all things created in him, by him, for him, through him. And the Bible says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. Do you really think that that spirit can't 
heal addiction? Do you really think that? Because when we speak of formula, that entails a lot. That entails a lot. I mean, look at the formula of Peter and John when they laid hands on people, believers. And the believers, they received the Holy Spirit. That's from Acts chapter 8. Peter and John, right formula. The formula was right. You see? The formula was right in the ones who pour. And the formula was right in the ones who receive. And the Holy Spirit was received. Except in one. Simon. Wrong formula. You see? Wrong formula, no Holy Spirit. No Holy Spirit, no power. No power, no healing. You see? No power, no healing. Oh, but there's these addictions. Like I got the addiction to the crack, to the sex, to the alcohol. No power, no healing. But the Bible says I'll be healed and I'm not healed. And Satan whispers in people's ears. Why are you going to believe the Bible? The Bible is fake because you're not healed. No, that's not the answer. We have to understand formula. You see? Wrong formula? No Holy Spirit? No Holy Spirit? No power? No power? No healing? No healing? No maturity? No maturity? No moving on to perfection? No moving on to perfection? Former lust? Still alive. Former lust still alive? The old nature isn't dead. The old nature not dead? Leaven spreads. Leaven spreads? Rejoicing isn't good. Rejoicing isn't good? That's adultery and apostasy. Adultery and apostasy? That's the falling away. You see? Falling away. It's going to be off the charts in the last days. And it's already happening. It's already happening. And so in this time period, 64 AD, troublesome times, Vessel Peter, brother Peter, tending the flock of God as a fisher of men and also tending the flock of God. He's deadly. And he's saying in verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. Now remember, ignorance is a result of the person, but it's also the result of the teacher. What's being taught? What's being taught from the pulpit? 
Why is it that a believer is ignorant? Now, a believer can be ignorant because of his or her own choices to disobey. But a believer can also be ignorant by submitting themselves to the wrong pastor. They're taught wrong. You see? And don't forget the diaspora, 64 AD. It's already started. It's underway. People are scattering the dispersion. They're fleeing to safety or what they presume and think to be safety. Peter is speaking on things that are not pertaining to the affairs of men. He's speaking of holy matters. Because a guy can flee to what he thinks is safety. A lady can flee to what she thinks is safety. But is there wickedness in the mind? You see? Is there wickedness in the mind? Because if the answer is yes, that's not safety. Oh, but we've fled the, the, the heavy hand of Rome. Look, we're safe. We're safe. We're safe. Oh, praise be to the Lord. We're safe. Come on, let's go do our crack. You see? Oh, praise the Lord. We're safe. Look, the thumb of Rome is thousands of miles away. Look, we're safe. Come on, let's go cook our spoons. You see? Come on, let's go to the prostitutes. Come on, let's go do the Ouija boards. Come on, let's go do the occult. Let's go do our chakras. Let's go do our yoga. Look, we're safe. Look, we can, we're free to live our lives. We can do our yoga. We can do our hot yoga. We can do our Ouija boards. We can do the occult. Presume it's safety. To flee the lion, to be killed by the bear. To flee the bear, to be killed by the lion. Nothing new under the sun. And Peter is speaking on different matters. Matters of the spirit, not of the flesh. Matters that do not pertain to Adam. They pertain to Christ. And as obedient children in verse 14, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, he says, in all your conduct. Now, I speak to the remnant in saying this. Only to the remnant. When you choose to be holy, you will be hated. You will be mocked. You will be ridiculed. You will be persecuted by both non-believer and believer. You're so stupid, they'll tell you. 
You're so dumb. You're such a legalist. Come on, take a drink. Come on, take a hit of this. It's okay for you to drink. It's okay for you to get drunk. Come on, you know, try this, try that. You'll get that from both non-believer and believer. Oh, God is sovereign, they'll tell you. God is sovereign and he has his permissive will. Because, you know, once saved, always saved. That's what they'll tell you. Come on, go ahead, take a hit of this. It's the good stuff. I got it from Chiapas, Mexico. Come on, take a swig of this. Take a sip of this. You're going to love it. And you heed the words of beautiful brother Peter. When he says in verse 15, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And you say, no, I'm not going to drink that. I'm not going to take a hit of that. You invoke the name of the Lord, but your doctrine is flawed. And you know what they'll tell you? You're such a legalist. You're such a legalist. You're so stupid. Why are you going to listen to Peter? Why are you going to listen to Peter? Why are you going to listen to Paul? They're so mean. Why are you going to listen to James? He's so stupid. Why are you going to listen to James? Look, he called, he called us adulterers and adulterers. He called us apostate. That's not loving. And all you're doing, all you're doing is you're being holy. As he who called you is holy. In all your conduct, you're being holy. And you're hated. You're being holy and you're mocked. You're being holy and you're ridiculed. You're being holy and you're persecuted. When these people speak, when these people speak, know who is speaking. It is the non-believer or it is the apostate who is also a non-believer. Remember when God spoke to Moses about Israel's disobedience in entering Canaan? In Numbers 14, verse 11, Then the Lord said to Moses, in Numbers 14, verse 11, Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? Speaking about Israel. Speaking about those freed from Egyptian captivity. Speaking about those from the Exodus. How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? You see? Through disobedience, 
they were joined with the non-believer. How long will they not believe me? The Lord asked to Moses, with all the signs which I performed among them? And he says in Numbers 14, verse 12, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. You see? And Christians today, oh, they say, but once saved, always saved. So it's okay. We're good to go. Once saved, always saved, they say. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Names can be written in the book of life. And it is beautiful. It is glorious. When you believe in Jesus, names can be written in the book of life. But understand, names can also be blotted out. And since names can be blotted out, how can one saved always saved be true? I'll give you the answer. It isn't true. It's a lie. The biblical formula is once saved, stay saved. You see? Go and listen to our studies. Everything's housed for you. Go and listen to our studies. TheWayUnderground.com It's for you. It's for you. So that you can listen. And understand the times. Because the days are evil. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. and worse. It's already evil. It's already bad. But this is nothing compared to what it's going to be. This is nothing. This is not even a walk in the park today. Right now, it's like galloping through the lily fields. It's going to get worse. Much worse. And in verse 15, Brother Peter, in speaking to saints of the diaspora, falling away is already happening. Saints have left Paul. When saints are confronted, you know, who is Lord? They say Caesar is Lord. They get to live. But in refusing to deny Jesus, they get eaten alive. A lion grabs a leg, another lion grabs an arm, another lion grabs the head, and they pull. And that's our brothers in Christ. That's our sisters in Christ. Brutal, brutal deaths. For our sisters and children in Christ, our younger brothers, younger sisters in Christ, that brutal death after being raped. And so Christians, they flee to what they think is safety. And they're, you know, to, to flee safety, but to not gird the loins of the mind, that's not safety. You see? And Brother James says in verse 15, back in 1 Peter chapter 1, I mean, if you turn to Numbers 14, here we are in 1 Peter chapter 1. And in verse 15, as he who called you is holy, 
you also be holy. How is holiness even a learned thing? How can holiness be known and understood? You need a teacher. You need a pastor. A pastor who watches out for your soul. Who tends to the flock of God. Who will train you. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That's why the Lord gave these people. He gave them for you. He gave them for you. So that you can grow. So that you can mature. You see? So that you can know what holiness is. And holiness unto the Lord. So that you can know what it is for your life to be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. So that you can know. Now, knowing is one thing, but once you know, ball's in your court. You have a choice to make. You see? And as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. In all your conduct. Because it is written in verse 16, Be holy, for I am holy. In both covenants, old and new, the call to holiness. Ball's in your court. Choose wisely. Balls in your court. You have a choice to make. Oh, I'm going to choose holiness and I'm going to go grave soaking like my pastor tells me to. Listen, wrong formula. You're submitting to the wrong pastor. Okay, I'm going to choose holiness. I'm going to go ahead and take the mark of the beast and still be saved like my pastor tells me. Wrong pastor, wrong formula. Okay, I'm going to choose holiness. And you know, the promises of God, they're not for Israel for anymore. They're for me. They're for the church. Wrong formula. Wrong pastor. You cannot submit yourself to the blind. Because if you do, don't be surprised when the ditch comes. And that's what Jesus says. If the blind follow the blind, both will fall into a ditch. You see? And the Word of God teaches us what holiness is. He teaches us the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. Jesus Christ. We see theophanies. It just so happens we studied that on Wednesday. Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Remember, all these things put in motion. The things which angels desire to look into. Just like the 10 trillion dominoes put in motion many moons ago. You see? And in verse 17, and if you call on the Father who without partiality, remember, God is not a respecter of persons. People are. God, he isn't. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, remember our study in Hebrews and James? We're not saved by works. We're saved for good works. Good works 
mixed with the former lusts, not good. Good works as a new creation, glorious. Remember our studies through Leviticus and the mixtures? Not good. You see? You see how everything fits? You see how everything ties together? The circle fits in the circle. The square fits in the square. The trapezoid fits in the trapezoid. The triangle fits in the triangle. The octagon fits in the octagon. The rectangle fits in the rectangular. The, the star fits in the star. Everything fits. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. I love this so much. Because when you're a believer in Jesus, this world and everything in it, it's not our home. It's not our home. This world is temporary. This temporary world that we're presently in, it's for these earth suits that we presently wear, or perhaps better said, we're presently trapped in. And to stay here in fear, Brother Peter says, but also understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And with godly fear, we gird our loins, we gird the loins of our mind, being sober. Resting on a present grace and also a future grace. Being holy in our conduct. This is the way of the remnant for perilous times. And we see in verse 18, knowing, 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 knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. You know how many people place value in silver and gold? Almost everybody, almost everybody places value in silver and gold. Oh, look, the stock market is going to take a dive. Everybody put your money in precious metals. Everybody puts their value in silver and gold and precious metals. And Brother Peter, inspired of the Spirit, an overseer tending the flock, Watching the dominoes, responsible for dominoes. For his moment in time. For his space in time. An overseer for that segment of dominoes in his span of life. Service unto the Lord as a worker, tending the flock. Speaking about silver and gold, the precious metals, what everybody puts their value into. He says, you're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. You see, there is a way of Adam and there is a way of Christ. There is a way of the flesh. There is a way of the spirit. We have to discern. How many times do you hear us say regarding the Old Testament and in our Old, Test Old Testament studies, how many times do you hear us say, observe Israel according to the flesh? You see, it's the Old Covenant. 
the old covenant. Remember the rules of engagement? If you're listening for the first time or you haven't been walking with us for a while, go back and listen to these studies. Spiritual warfare, you'll find it. Spiritual warfare, understand the covenants. But now that we're in the fulfillment of the law, in 64 AD, the fulfillment of the law has already come. Look at verse 19. But with the precious blood of Jesus, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Remember our old covenant studies? Nothing mangy. Nothing mangy. Remember the law given concerning Passover? A male lamb without blemish. Pesach. For my Jewish friends whom I love. The precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. In verse 20, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. For you. foreordained before the foundations of the world, all the things put in motion. Remember the dominoes, the 10 trillion dominoes? And Isaiah had his moment of time to tend. Amos had his moment of time to tend. Zechariah had his moment of time to tend. Paul had his moment of time. Peter had his moment of time. And there are some today who have their moment of time to tend. The things which angels desire to look into and do look into. You see? And these things put in motion many, many moons ago. Jesus being made manifest in these last times in verse 20 for you. Remember our study in Hebrews? Not the order of Aaron, but that of Melchizedek. Not the tribe of Levi, but the tribe of Judah. And just like the dominoes we mentioned, these things were put in motion each according to their time. Things which angels peek into because God is love. He loves his creation. He loves you. And these things were put in motion many, many, many moons ago because God loves you and He's calling you home. He's calling you home to him. Because on both ends of the Bible, in Genesis and Revelation, on both ends, we see paradise. Both ends of the Bible, we see paradise. In Genesis, paradise lost. In Revelation, paradise gained. And that's where we're going. That's where we're going. Paradise. If you're listening and you're not a believer, 
be unbelieving no more. If you're listening and you're lukewarm, be lukewarm no more. If you're listening and you think you're mature, but you're realizing maybe I'm submitting to the wrong pastor. Take heed to these words. And if you're not a believer or you're lukewarm, hit pause. Listen to the message. How to commit your life to Christ. And you commit your life to Christ right here, right now. And you come back, you listen. And we grow together. We mature together. Onward to paradise. And if you're listening and you're discovering that, wait a second, my pastor teaches, you know, he teaches replacement theology. Or, you know, my pastor is female. Or, you know, my pastor teaches things that are an abomination. He wants to go grave soaking. Or my pastor says this denomination says that, you know, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. And if you're discovering that what you presumed to be right is in fact wrong, you got to jump ship. Jump ship. Our loyalty is not to a pastor. Our loyalty is not to a church. Our loyalty is not to a denomination. Our loyalty is to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be his name. Our loyalty is to Jesus. Judgment comes first to the house of God. Apostasy, it's not just going to happen. It's already happening. And this manifestation of Jesus that Peter speak to, sp- speaks of here in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, look what happens here. When he says, speaking of Jesus, that being manifest in these last times for you. In verse 21, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Remember, 64 AD, the cost of being a Christian is very, very Heavy, life-threatening. Definitely a threat to safety. And people were fleeing. Saints, Christians, believers, our early brothers and sisters, they were fleeing to what they thought was safety. And Peter is speaking on a different kind of safety. Safety that is found in Christ. Sound doctrine. And abiding in Christ. You see? And we see in verse 22, in closing, since you have purified your souls and people today say, oh, we have no part in sanctification. We have no part in sanctification. Listen, when you're dirty and you're going to take a shower, you're not the water, you're not the soap, you're not the shampoo, but 
you got to get in the water. You see, you got to get inside. Oh, we have no part in sanctification. Wait, you just, uh, you know, levitate from point A into point B, point B being the shower. Do you just levitate? You have no part. Oh, we have no part in sanctification. People say that's what the unlearned say. That's what the idiotes say. That's what those without understanding say. You know what Peter says? Since you have purified your souls. Oh, but we have no part in sanctification. Well, if that were true, why would Peter say this? Since you have purified your souls. See, Peter knows. Peter knows. Peter knows we're not the water. He knows we're not the, sh- the soap. He knows we're not the shampoo. But he also knows we got to get in the water. And since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, through the Spirit. You see, without the Holy Spirit, obeying the truth is impossible. Without the Holy Spirit, obeying the truth is impossible. And we're living in very, very dark times where people make excuses for the flesh in these last days, where pastors make excuses for the flesh and the carnal nature in these last days. And you know what they say? Oh, the power and the moving and the gifting of the Spirit, as we see in the book of Acts, it's not for today, they say. That was for 2,000 years ago, they say. But in the Bible... You will not find an expiration date with the Holy Spirit. You will not find an expiration date. In one sense, there is an expiration though. It's unto those who have quenched the Spirit or extinguished the Spirit of God. It's something the Bible warns against. And don't forget, it's entirely possible To believe in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. It's possible. That's what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 8. When people believed in Jesus from evangelist Philip and Peter and John, they laid hands and they received the Holy Spirit, except for one, because of his wickedness. Wrong formula. You see? And you have pastors who say, well, you know, the gifts and the power and the moving of the spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. You say, well, wait a second, pastor. Where do you come off saying that? How is it, pastor, that you come to the conclusion that it was for 2,000 years ago and it's not for today? Well, we don't see it today. Yeah. He's got a point. But don't blame God. Why don't we see it, Pastor? Just ask your pastor. I mean, if you go, you know, a lot of people listen, but they, you know, they go to their, you, I say they, but I mean, a lot of people, like some of you, you listen, you know, and you have your pastor on Sunday, you have your pastor on Wednesday, and you still listen to these messages. But ask your pastor point blank. I mean, if you have a pastor that teaches that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for 2,000 years ago, 
And pastors today, they make excuses for the flesh. Well, you know, how come we don't see that today? You're right, pastor. Tell me, why is that? And don't blame God. See? And Peter, when he says in verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, understand obeying the truth is impossible without the Holy Spirit. This is why so-called pastors today, they tell believers to take the mark of the beast and they'll still be saved. Because these so-called pastors, they do not have the Holy Spirit. And as a result, they do not obey the truth. They cannot obey the truth. They are blind guides and you must not follow. You see? But to the living, to the remnant, in times of tribulation in the era of 64 AD in Peter's time frame of dominoes, so to speak. He speaks to the remnant. In verse 22, he says this, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. With a pure heart. You know what this means? Without hypocrisy. This is love. It's not fake love. It's real love. You know how you want to be in heaven? Well, real love, you want the brethren to be in heaven. You want brothers and sisters to be in heaven. And as you love the Lord, you want the brethren to love the Lord. And it's real. It's not fake. There's a lot of fake in the church today. But we're not talking loud to say, we're talking about Smyrna and Philadelphia. The remnant. Remember, seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. Two, Smyrna and Philadelphia are not told to repent. You know why? They're on point. Good pastors, good teachers, good overseers. The others, repent, 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 repent. They're told to repent. Why? Wrong formula. Notice, the majority, wrong formula. You see? And Brother Peter is speaking about sincere love of the brethren to love one another fervently with a pure heart. That's genuine love. And to fervently and earnestly and in all purity love the brethren. And let me tell you something. You do this. You do this. Don't expect to be loved back. People will hate you, mock you, deride you, and leave you. And in some areas today, they'll even beat you or kill you. But the remnant? The remnant is holy unto the Lord. 
And remember, our Lord was hated first. And this is Brother Peter writing this letter, inspired of the Spirit. And his faith was also rocked deep to the core where he wept bitterly. And he's teaching. He's deadly now. The good deadly. And he's teaching on matters of heaven. Holy matters. Not matters of men. Not matters of the world. Not matters of the flesh. Not matters of the carnal. But matters of the spirit. Matters of the Lord. You see? With a pure heart. Not fake love, but to love the brethren. You see, remember the cost of being a Christian in 64 AD, very heavy, very, very heavy. And yes, people are fleeing to what they presume to be safety. But there's a different safety that Peter is writing about. It's safety of the soul. In verse 23, in closing, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what Brother Paul wrote about in Romans 10. Inspired of the same spirit that is inspiring Peter. You see, it's not a sales pitch. It's not a pep talk. It's the power of God unto salvation. But a person must have ears to hear. You see? Having been born again in verse 23, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because... And look what this beautiful fisher of men, Brother Peter, look what he writes. In obedience to Jesus, tending the flock of God in perilous times, teaching via letter, inspired of the Holy Spirit. The dominoes are continuing through the ages. In verse 24, he says, All flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. Remember life? Life is but a vapor. That's all it is. Life is but a vapor. And in verse 25, Brother Peter, he says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which by the gospel was preached to you. These things were set in motion long ago. They continued then, they continue today. They continue with you. Things which Angels desire to look into. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.